Hello again, you are listening to the Fellow Cast with myself, Valdu, and Garth with me again today. And I'm excited because the, the Israelites are leaving Egypt today. They, they're running away a little bit, but they're ready to cross the Red Sea. Yes, and I'm excited to see where that's going to end today. Yeah, and it's interesting. The Lord says, um, we're starting off in chapter 13, verse 17. That's where we left off last week. Yeah. It says, the Lord did not lead them through the way of Philistia. So via the Philistines um, up into the country, that would have been the shortest route. Okay. But also it would be the King's Highway. So it's a very well-known route. Um, okay. It's like taking a road. Instead, it says he led them through the desert to the Red Sea. Mm. Um, and the reason that he gives there, go read it. It says because he thought or he knew being God. Um, I don't think he thinks much. He, he knows much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that if they would encounter people in battle, they might change their minds and turn back to Egypt. Yeah. They'll be disheartened. Makes sense. Which already now would tell you something about the state of this nation. Yeah. They've been trodden on for so many years that they don't have the courage. They don't have an identity. Um, so they'll be quickly discouraged. Mm. And we're going to see that quickly afterwards as well. So he took them that route. But the Lord had a greater plan. Because um, the Lord then hardened Pharaoh's heart once more. He would think, man, this guy's already broken. Isn't it hard enough? But I think by this time it's probably vengefulness, yeah. you know, because his country is ruined and these people that he wanted to keep on to for so long is now gone. Yeah. And um, so the Lord hardens his heart one more time and he gets his army together with 600 of his best chariots yeah. and all the other chariots of Egypt. That's a heck of a lot of chariots. <laughs> I mean, it's a country's chariots that he's pulling together, yeah. all armed with his officers and off they chase after these guys. And then... Here's a very interesting point. Um, notice how the Lord places them in a very specific place. Yeah. All right. He says to them, they have to go um, to a particular part next to the Red Sea, right across from Baal Zephon. Now, if you're going to check that up on Google, you'll see that nobody really knows where it is. Um, but they have found apparently, what's it, those chariot wheels in the ocean. So okay. some people have an idea of where they cross through, yeah. whether it be that or not but he takes them to a very specific place between Mikdol and the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon so God wanted them there hmm. knowing that the Egyptians are coming to chase after them and then it says when the people saw the army of Pharaoh advancing towards them they cried out to Moses and they're going to do this a couple of times <laughs> along the way they yeah. cried out to Moses and very understandably, terribly distressed and fearful. Mm. He said, listen, it would have been better if you just left us in Egypt. And I listened to the accusations. That, Did we not tell you to leave us alone? <laughs> hey? <laughs> yes. Is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when he went and spoke to, uh, to Pharaoh and the work got harder and whatever. Yeah. Why did you make this trouble for us? But man... By this time, they could see that God is in it. Yeah. And they've absolutely. cried out to God, and this God have promised he will deliver them. And there they go, carrying the riches of Egypt on their backs. Yeah. But at the first opposition, the moaning starts. Did we not tell you to leave us alone? Yeah. Um, I don't know if yourself have ever done it, but if you ever thought back on the stupid things you said in an argument, mm. 
the bland statements that you've made. Yeah. It's just like you are always yeah. like this. It's not true. But anyway, yeah. that's what it brings out of us. So they cry out. And then um, we have to actually jump back to that last verses of chapter 13 because there's about to become a pillar of cloud mm. between them and the army. And um, it says that pillar of cloud with the angel of the Lord was with them all along the way. It guided them by day and a pillar of fire guided them by night. Yeah. How phenomenal is that? Yeah, that all throughout this journey to come this is going to take place. In, in fact, we're going to cross over a few things now that we have to keep in mind. This is not a once-off event. We have to stretch it for ourselves and say, this is 40 years. Yeah, wow. Every day, every night, what's going to happen? Um, and also very important, we're going to see just now, it says the angel of the Lord came from ahead of them where he guarded them with a pillar of cloud mm. and came with that cloud between them. And the, and the enemy. So just how the, the guiding angel of God is with them. Yeah. We can easily just read over it. But that guiding angel of God is going to be with them all throughout the desert for those 40 years. And then when they cross over into the promised land, that's the angel that Joshua is going to meet on the other side of the Jordan River mm. before they take Jericho. So in all of this, it's not just a human leader, Moses, guiding them and uh, a sidekick, Aaron, and a prophetess, Miriam, or whatever else. Mm. The angel of the Lord, he's the one guiding them. And those guys are just his human representatives yeah, or his sure. voice. Um, it's really, really powerful. Mm. So on comes the army and this cloud then blocks their view and the people are distressed on the other side. Um, and then... God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> he continued to speak, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of expecting, yeah. Moses, are you not already filled with faith? Yeah. Can you not see I've got you at the right place at the right time? And the, uh, something's about to happen. Mm. And then he says, stretch out your hand over the sea. Um, and he did that. And a mighty wind came and blew that entire night, and it pushed the waters apart that there was dry land to cross over for, with a wall of water on each side. And then all throughout the night, while they're crossing through with a light from the cloud on their side, that same cloud made darkness for the Egyptians on the other side that they couldn't find them. Sure. They were groping around, not knowing where these Israelites are. Yeah. And then... Um, the clouds started lifting and the Egyptians started following them through. And then in the last watches of the night, um, the Lord started, uh, brought confusion yeah. on the Egyptians. Their chariot wheels started getting stuck in the Red Sea. And in that confusion, they decided uh, to turn around because they said, the Lord is fighting against us. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and as they turned around, oh. they turned around back into the sea and the wind changed and the waters closed over them. And then this powerful phrase for me, it just says, um, and when the Israelites looked and they saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. That's verse 30. I thought, man, what a powerful picture. If you can close your eyes for a moment and just imagine the bodies of these people that's been beating you, mm. 
since you grew up in Egypt. They were your slave drivers. That was the power that kept you at bay yeah. and did with you whatever you want. They wanted to. That said, no, you cannot, and you dared not. Mm. Or yes, you must, and even though if you didn't want to, you had to. And mm. suddenly, there's their bodies drifting out on the seashore. Yeah, wow. Well, and well. the broken chariot wheels and all of that. Mm. The power literally broken yeah. forever. It's interesting that you say that because uh, when I read through it a little bit earlier, uh, you jumped over this verse, but uh, verse 13 and 14 in, in chapter 14, where it says, But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And the Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. And yeah. just even as I read that, I was reminded of, like, it's often our, this is probably a little bit symbolic, but it's our captivity of the past often comes over the hill and wants to remind you again like these egyptians did yeah. to kind of say this is this is where we want to take you back to and then if you just trust in god in your salvation and your deliverance then that's the end of it where where it can be completely destroyed so yeah. i know last week we had these kind of comparisons to to jesus and and what what these symbols would have meant but to me this was so powerful that if, if we just trust god he can take care of that, which he's already taken you from, not to allow it back in. Yeah, yeah. Into your Th life. And that phrase, my NIV says, um, the Lord will fight for you. It's verse 14. Yes. You need only be still. Mm. You know, yours says, be, be quiet. quiet. Be yeah. quiet. What does that mean for you? Why would the Lord say to them, just be still? Mm. I think we often get in the way of God's work. He mm. wants to come and work. He wants to display his glory. Yeah. And if we doing our thing, it, it takes away from that, I suppose. Yeah. I've got a friend, Charlie, and his words just come to mind because he says he often experiences it that way, that when sin comes to harass you, mm. um, it puts you in a frenzy. It's like a, 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 a buck getting scared and he ends up running right into the mouth of yeah. the lion, you know, um, because fear does that. It messes your mind up. Yeah. Um, so you purposefully have to remind yourself, no, the Lord says, be still, yeah. quiet down, quiet down, look at me. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's that, that phrase, <laughs> uh, that psalm break. that says, I look up to the mountains, mm. where will my help come from? All right. Mm. If I look up into that and see the fear um, and the dangers along the way, I might step right into it. But mm. if I've got a quietness of heart, just one step at a time, follow the Lord's guidance. Um, I think it's a powerful thing then. Yeah. Be still yeah. and know that I'm God. Well, where's that phrase in the Bible? It's a psalm somewhere. Here we go. Yeah. Be still and know. All right. So towards the end of it then, um, the army is destroyed. And then in chapter 15 comes this beautiful song. Uh, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Now, there's so many rich things in this, but I want to point out one thing that stands for me at least. Mm. Um Suddenly, having seen all these things, and obviously the ten plagues before that as well, but being delivered out of sin, in this song are these phrases about them saying, this is who I see that my God is. Yeah. These people are getting to know God for who he is. Um, Moses have already have had close encounters with mm. God, and that's going to grow throughout the journey up on the mountain and all of that. Yes. Um, but the people themselves are getting to know their God again. So I'm just going to read some verses. You can pipe some in there, Valdu. Mm. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has holding to the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. 
Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Verse 6, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Verse 11, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Uh, what powerful statements mm. that is. Eh? Sure. Verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. That's speaking about the Israelites. He's mm. saying you're bringing us out in this faith statement. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. I wonder how many of that nation, if you could sort of put a percentage of it, would have made this statement two days ago. <laughs> eh? mm. Even having seen the plagues and stuff, mm. did they have the faith to know our God will do what he promised to Abraham, to Jacob, and all of them before? Mm. He will take us out and he will give us a new country. Uh, but here they, they sing it yeah. out together. After they've seen evidence of God working working in this way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Lord reigns forever and ever, verse 18. And then Miriam with uh, the prophetess, it says, Miriam, uh, with many of the other uh, women came and came out with tambourines in their hands and they started singing to the Lord. That verse 21, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Hmm. Beautiful. And then comes the journey into a desert. Um, and I often when I read through it, I myself want to say, that. <laughs> Can you moan so quickly? Yeah. <laughs> and yet, uh, listen, it's all of us. Three days without water, and they start to cry out to him. They said, listen, uh, what are we to drink? Yeah. Are we going to die in this desert? And then they come to water, but the water is bitter. And again, there's moaning and groaning because the expectation, imagine for yourself, you three days without water, running to the water, says, put it to your mouth, and uh, mm. you can't drink it. And then God shows Moses a particular tree lying there or a branch. And he says, throw it into the water. It becomes sweet. And God provides for them as he's going to do for 40 years. And um, then they, they started moaning again. Um, uh, now they said, listen, we're running out of food. And um, just listen to their statements. They say, we should have just stayed in Egypt because back there we could have eaten from the pots of meat that was over there. Mm. Uh, but now you've brought us into a desert and here we are to die. It would have been better just to stay there. Um, again, yeah. uh, if we can draw it to ourselves, uh, what, what's my kind of statement mm. in that, you know? Uh, it would have been better if I haven't given my heart to the Lord. Yeah. I, mean, I had so many friends or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what what could we moan about? Oh, I, I listen to this or I read it and I, you see the carnal kind of hmm. uh, part of it, that it's a lot of it is based on physical needs or wants. It's immediate, that gratification thing. Yeah. Um, and obviously not seeing the big picture of where you, you're not really seeing the promised land. Hmm. It's the promise, but you don't know when it's going to actually arrive. You know, they didn't know it was going to be 40 years or what it was going to end up. So so there is a bit of empathy for, for them. Yes. But you also sit on this side and go, well, yo, how how could you oft on the back of the 10 plagues and being taken through the Red Sea and thrown a stick in the water, like all these miracles, and you still yeah. doubt whether God is good for you. <laughs> His plans are good for you. So yeah. it is. I don't know if you heard that statement before, but I think it's very true that... Um, from our perspective, 
the Lord took the slaves out of Egypt, mm. and now he's about to take Egypt out of his people. Yeah. Um, that mindset. Because uh, when I give my life to the Lord, like this picture of being taken out of slavery to mm. sin, there's a path of growth that needs to take place. Yeah. Uh, just this morning in a Bible study, we were reading from James the importance of um, being joyful in perseverance mm. because without perseverance, I will never be mature, yeah. it says in James 1. Um, so I need to be willing to push through. So you can hear the childish mindset, mm. a real carnal, yeah. ungrown-up mindset um, in these people, and that's mm. the same with us. The yeah. Lord allows trials in our lives yeah. so that we can grow. We only grow if our attitude is good, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing of be joyful in perseverance. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, sorry, Garth, I know you, you're heading in a direction, but it's interesting if you think about that because you often, in the beginning of your Christian walk, it is a lot about you want to just get through the stuff. It's that immaturity. Mm. Like you ask the why questions a lot. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why is God doing this? But the longer you walk, the more you realize that his plans are good. I've gone through those things. Yeah. And where I am today is better than where I was before. So it, uh, it's definitely that maturity, being able to look back and look to God and say, well, he, he'll work it out if, I, if I'm willing to, to put my head down and persevere. Yes. Yeah. yeah, to have long suffering. Yeah. The ersetings for more. Yeah. So the Lord's answer to them is, um, listen, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Um, did we do a quick calculation? It's between 1 million and 2 million people over here. Eh? Yeah, sure. It's a heck of a lot of people. So what a kind of a promise is that from God to say, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. How mm. is that going to happen? Um, and then they complain and said, well, what about the meat? Because listen, we had the meat back in Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against you. Um, he will bring both meat in the evening and bread in the morning. And uh, then verse 18, I just picture for yourself this. You listen to Aaron speaking. So while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And at twilight, the meat started coming in yeah. and the flocks of quail started coming in and by the next morning they woke up and there were these flakes um, on the ground mm. like dew and they could gather it up together and nobody have seen anything like it before so it must have been a real curious sight yeah them. and it says when they got it together it was white like coriander seed and it tasted um, like something baked in honey how interesting yeah. is that, right? It's like <laughs> a sweet bread. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole instructions that come with that is really important for us. Remember that these people are slaves, and they've been slaves for several generations now. Yeah. And the Lord tells them, you have to keep the Sabbath day holy. So often when we hear those kind of instructions, it's like it's a command, which means I have to. Hmm even if I don't want to. That's sort of what immediately comes with it. You know, I just, it's an obligation. Yeah. For them, it must have been a real delight. Say, hey, one day a week, you I shall not work. Yeah. What? What's that? I'm, I, I've been a slave for how long? There was never a day in my life that I didn't work. Yeah. If my master didn't work, I still worked so that he can 
be, be addressed. Yeah. yeah. But now suddenly it's this command. So it's a very loving command from God to say, I've taken the slavery yoke off you. Mm. Rest. Enjoy it once a week. Mm. And with that, then the Lord tells them, so once a week, um, you are to gather on the Friday twice as much that you would eat on that day of the manna so that the next day it can carry over and you don't have to go out because on the seventh day there will be no manna. Mm. Just clear. But for the rest of it, he also said, you're only allowed to gather us enough for one day. Um, so it's about 1.4 kilograms, my Bible says at the bottom, that they gather per person per day. And so there is a big lesson in this whole instruction that the Lord for the next 40 years, not that he intended it to have been that long. We're going to still see that. Yeah. But he would teach them a rhythm of life to say that every day you're going to rely on God's provision. Sure. So you're not going to gather for the next day. Just think about us with, um, uh, you know, yet a poor list. And mm. You've got a bank account. You're storing up. You're saving. Yeah. You're trying to get security so that one day you might retire. All of yeah. that thinking, how the Lord teaches them, trust me every day. In the moment. Trust yeah. me every day. Just enough for today. Um, it's a very different rhythm that he's getting them into. Mm. And sure enough, they're going to have fields they're going to plant, they're going to plant for they're going to plant for tomorrow, for next year, you know? So they they will get into that rhythm, but here he's breaking something in them to say every day you wake up and trust that there's food outside. You finish and eat all of it. Tomorrow you wake up with nothing. You're going to go outside and trust that there's food to eat. Yeah, well. How powerful, eh? Yeah. It's yeah. challenging. <laughs> but the people didn't listen. So many of them gathered together uh, and wanted to keep over for the next day. By the next day, when they opened up, Frot. there were maggots in it and it was stinking. They had to throw it out. And Moses got angry with the people and said, come on, told you, you should listen. Yeah. Well, we thought maybe there's not tomorrow. You know? <laughs> and then about the Sabbath, Sabbath instructions, some of them went out on the Sabbath to go and look for manna. And again, Moses gets angry and he says, God said there won't be. Don't even go and look for it. You mustn't go out. Rest. Mm. Relax. <laughs> you know. So it takes something of creating that rhythm yeah. of faith yeah. in them, that walk with God. Sure. Yeah. Getting Egypt out of them, as you said. Yes. Yeah. And then um, ach, we're going to close off in chapter 17 because just another providing. They mm. um, run out of water again. And the people get thirsty and they complain. Um, and Moses replied, uh, why do you quarrel with me? Like he said in the previous chapter as well. Um, why do you murmur towards me? What mm. can I do? You know, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Yeah. Um, and then he just says, why do you put the Lord to the test? Well, the Lord is merciful, and he tells Moses, go up to that rock there. Now they're at Mount Horeb. The um, go to the rock and hit it, and water will flow from it. And sure enough, he beats the rock, and water gushes out. And if I read the story right, for the next two years, that's where they're going to stay, and that's going to be their water supply. It's not just a water supply for one day, because they're going to stay here at Mount Horeb, the mountain of the Lord, and there the Lord will appear to Moses and give the instructions for building the tabernacle and only in the book of numbers we're going to see that they're going to move from this place mm. so this water source is going to last them 
for two years, sure. an entire nation <laughs> with the animals and all of it in yeah. the middle of a desert. Wow. Incredible. By eating a rock. Yeah. If that's not miraculous, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, ne? Sure. No, the Lord is good to them. Yeah. And to us. Yeah, absolutely. Garth, I really, really appreciate these times together. I don't know if there's something that you would want to challenge the listeners in today or maybe even a prayer that you would want to pray over us just with regards to what we've been speaking about. Yeah, I think let me pray eh, because mm. I do have a particular prayer. Yeah. And Father, my prayer will be this. Please, Lord, teach us to have that rhythm of trust in you, to really do what Jesus said, to look at the birds and at the, and at the fields mm. and recognize that you supply. And to know that you love us more than even those things that you've made, Lord. And you will be faithful to supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory. Mm. And just again, Lord, I give up my heart to you. And I say, I trust you. I trust you. And I've seen that you've come through before. And now again, I'll see that you will come through because you don't change. Thank you, Father God, that you desire that rhythm of life in us that will just wake up every day knowing that our faithful God is looking over us. Mm. I trust you for that, Lord. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And if you've been listening and uh, you've enjoyed this, I really just want to bless you even with that prayer and that, that we would be challenged as we listen to these messages coming from Scripture. And we thank you, Garth, just for the way that you bring it. It really challenges and it, and it brings uh, an enlightenment to our hearts. And I trust that as you listen, uh, you, will, you will look forward to next week because uh, next week we will continue in the, in the book of Exodus. So until then, bye-bye. Thank you.